So when you think about family, what comes to mind? Is it comforting? Does it bring memories of fun times together, playing games? Does it bring stress? Maybe you think of family like this kid, Michael. Michael says this, Mama, thanks for picking out the best sister for me. Isn't that sweet? Perhaps this is more of a description of your family relationships. Daddy says, are you fixing your bucket? Brandon, no, I'm just hammering it. Daddy, sir, you're just being annoying. Brandon, yep. <laughs> Maybe your house is filled with pure honesty like Hannah's house. I really wish I had some yoga pants, even though I don't really do yoga. Kind of like you, Mom. <laughs> Here's another family dynamic. Even with thousands of games, dolls, and crafts to choose from, my customer at the toy store still couldn't find a thing for her grandson. Maybe a video or something educational, I asked, no, that's not it, she said. We wandered the aisles until something caught her eye, a laser gun with flashing lights and 15 different high-pitched sounds. This is perfect, she said, beaming. My daughter-in-law will hate it. <laughs> I know none of you have done that. Here's a sweet one. You may not be able to read this. It says, thank you, Dad, for being where I need you the most. I am so happy that you were the one that was chosen out of all the people. I think you meant who instead of how. Who wanted to adopt me. You're the best day in the world. Love, Josiah. And that's sweet. No matter your experience, I would guess that you, you desire to have healthy family relationships. The kind of relationships filled with the fun times of laughter and, and, and rich conversations, shoulders to cry on. We all long for that in families. And like we discussed with building relationships with others, so that we are sharpened, so that we are smoothed out and made more useful, there is much to learn from those within our homes. We have opportunities to learn in the home in order that we may grow, no matter the circumstances. Before we get to some of those opportunities to learn in our home, though, we must understand the foundation and purpose of the family. And we don't have time to go into every detail about this, but we're going to hit some high points here. Because as people in organizations continue to work in the redefining of family, we must battle to understand God's design for the home. We can shake our fist at the Creator all we want, but it does not change the truth. Look with me at the beginning of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be in a lot of verses today, so I've got them on the screen if you can try to keep up. Go ahead. Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26, says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And so it was. 
God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. I am convinced that we would do better in leading our families and communities and our world if we paid more attention to the truth spoken in Genesis. Too often we are looking for man's ways of explaining the world, and it is imperative that we rely on the source of truth, the Word of God. He spoke the world and all within it into being. He created man and woman in his image. He gave Adam and Eve roles to live out for each other, for their family, and the home that was given to them. Let us pay attention. Moses declared in Deuteronomy 6, a familiar passage, says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today to, are to be on your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign in your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. The New Testament has much to say about the family as well. Ephesians 5 29 through 33 says, For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Our marriages are supposed to provide a picture of Jesus' self-sacrificing love and the church's devotion to him. Parenting is a constant endeavor to raise godly children. But sin has tainted that purpose and design of the family. In this side of heaven, there are thorns and thistles. People in our own family are prickly at times and difficult to deal with. Like we heard last week, the image of God has been defaced but not erased. Despite sin, you and I are still made to be in relationships. That includes those within our families, even the ones that are prickly. Pastor Wayne wrote this in his 30 series notes as we were preparing, says each person has inherent relationships built in through family. Each relationship in the family brings opportunities to grow, opportunities that must not be missed. We're going to take a look at some of those opportunities that we have to learn within the family, and every one of us is included. First, we can learn with parents in a few ways. We can learn with parents in a few ways. Boys and girls, young people, listen up. You've heard this before. I'm going to repeat it again. Ephesians 6 says, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. Dr. Honer states this in the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It says, the promise for those who obey their parents is that they enjoy a prosperous and long life on the earth. This states a general principle that obedience fosters self-discipline, which in turn brings stability and longevity in one's life. Dr. Turner goes on, he says, stated conversely, it is improbable that an undisciplined person will live a long life. 
An Israelite who persistently disobeyed his parents was not privileged to enjoy a long, stable life in the land of Israel. A clear example of this was Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. 1 Samuel 4.11. Though that promise was given to Israel in the Old Testament, the principle still holds true today. I need a kid volunteer. Riley Andrag, will you help me? Yes? Come on up, real fast. Come on up. I need you to speak. Will you speak for me? Come on up, real fast. Everybody get every hand. She didn't know she was doing this. Take that. I need you to speak into it. I'm going to ask you serious questions. Okay, will you be honest with us? Yes? Okay. Put your mic up. Put the mic up. Okay. This is Riley. Riley, do you always obey your parents, yes or no? No. What? <laughs> okay. What happens when you disobey? I get in, I get in trouble. You get in trouble. What kind of trouble have you gotten into? As a child, what's one punishment that you've gotten growing up when you've disobeyed mom and dad? Got my phone taken away. Got your phone taken away. Okay, that's a bummer, isn't it? Okay, is that fun? No. Is that a way you want to live life? It's not, is it? Do you want to live a good life? Yes. Like when you grow up, you want a good life? You want things to go well? What should you do? I want to be a surgeon. You want to be a surgeon? That's awesome. Do you think you're going to have to learn some discipline to be a surgeon? Yes. Yeah. Where does that start? What did we just say? What's that say right there? Read that. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Okay. That's good. <laughs> Children, obey. That's where it starts. Okay, you obey your mom and dad because you learn to discipline because you're gonna have to learn a lot of things if you're gonna be a surgeon. Because if you're gonna operate on me, I better know how you act with mom and dad. Does that make sense? Okay, but that's not easy, right? Is, is, uh, do, you, do you ever think that you know more than mom and dad? No. No? Good. Because here, here's, what, here's what Mark Twain said. Here's what Mark Twain says. It says, when I was a boy of 14, look at, look at this. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> you may not think you know more than mom and dad, but some of us as children, I, as a child, thought I knew more than mom and dad, but you didn't. Good job. Don't ever stop thinking that way. So give Riley a hand. <laughs> Kids, there are moments when you think you know better, especially as you get a little older and you're, uh, well, when you start to be like three. Um, you need to obey mom and dad. It is what is right. It is right to honor the Lord, and it will make your life better. That is guaranteed. It will make your life better. Listen, boys and girls, too, I know mom and dads and other adults that you have to listen to mess up. They do. And they ask silly questions sometimes. They do. But you are still responsible to do what is right. And just so you know, if they are doing their job, if mom and dads are doing their job, they're learning too. So just like you want to, them to give you a break and, and be patient with you, sometimes make sure that you are gracious with them as well. 
Learn with your parents as a child. You can also learn with your parents by growing up. By growing up. I read this comment from a parent says, our 25-year-old son moved back home with an eye towards socking away money to buy a condo. We never bothered asking how long he planned to stay, but I got a pretty good idea when I walked into his room recently. In the corner was a milk jug with a few coins in it labeled that read, condo down payment. <laughs> it's not quite the way it's supposed to go. Genesis 2:24. this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. Boys and girls and young people, listen, you are supposed to grow up. You are supposed to grow up. You're supposed to learn to follow Jesus and move away from your parents' authority and become adults. You're supposed to do that. Our culture is fighting greatly against you. They're fighting greatly against you. You hear adults whine and complain about the work that's given to them so that they can eat and have shelter. And you wonder why you should get one of those things called jobs. We laugh at kids hanging around mom and dad's basements at 25 years old. Yes, adulting is hard. Responsibility can be exhausting, but you were created to work unto the Lord and to be a productive citizen of heaven and earth. Luke 18 states this, then Peter said, look, we have left what we had and followed you. So he, this is Jesus replying, said to them, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, wife or brothers or sisters, parents or children, because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more than more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. There is great reward for leaving family to follow the Lord, to growing up. That example includes leaving good families. It also includes leaving wicked families. Hebrews 11 accounts Moses' life. It says in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to the reward. Young men and women, whether you come from a family who seeks to serve the Lord or a family determined to be wicked, take the life lessons learned and grow up into a faithful adult who declares the glory of God. And as you grow up as an adult, you have the opportunities to keep learning with your parents. You can honor them. You support them when in need, and you can remember their lessons even as you grow up to be an adult. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Adults shouldn't bring shame on their parents any more than a child should. Show them honor and do not disregard them. If you want a great example of an adult honoring parents, take a look at the story of Ruth. Read the story of Ruth. She honored her mother-in-law, who was not in a great emotional nor mental state, and she decided to stay with her and went back to Naomi's home instead of going back to her own. Did you hear that? She took on the new family. She honored her mother-in-law. She had a chance to leave, but she did not. Honor your parents, even your parents-in-law. Honoring also means you should show them support when needed. 
1 Timothy 5 says, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repair their parents, for this pleases God. Many of you are great examples of this. You are caring for aging parents in need, and it is a beautiful picture of the grace and mercy of God. My prayer is that he will strengthen you, that he will provide for you all that you need in that endeavor, and that he will give you rich fellowship in the days that you have left with those family members. For everyone else, if you're not in that position at this moment, I pray that the Lord will prepare your heart to please him by caring for your family as needed. It is right. Adult children have the opportunity to learn with and to honor mom and dad and to care for them as they age. And we also get a chance as adults to remember the life lessons that they taught. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and don't reject your mother's teaching for they will be a garland of favor around your head and pendants around your neck. We get to remember the lessons of our parents. Listen, is Shema. The great Hebrew Shema, we've talked about this a number of times. It means to remember, to be still before, to hear and examine with obedience in mind. I'd like to hear from a few of you. I'd like for you to shout out some lessons that you learned from a parent, grandparent, or other family member. And if you're listening online today, chat that in the, use the chat and say those lessons. I would like to hear some. Somebody raise your hand. Yes. No what? Playing. playing in the mornings. No playing in the mornings. Is that what you said? Okay, no playing in the mornings. You're going to work. All right, what, what else? Somebody else. Yes. Work first, play later. There you go. Somebody else. Life lessons. Your parents taught you nothing. Okay. Take your muddy shoes off before you enter the house. That's a wise one. But clean up more work later. Somebody else. One more. Yes, sir. Pride comes before the fall. That's a good one. Here are a few of mine. Solid work ethic. My mom and dad worked very, very hard. At one point while my dad was working very long hours at his job, my mom held down three jobs trying to make ends meet and make, make way for us to have way more than we ever deserved. Thankfully, I've learned to continue, learned and continue to learn not to be afraid of hard work. If I need to work two or three jobs to do what the Lord has called me to do, then I will welcome that with a, as a blessing because my parents taught me that. Gratitude for the Lord. My granny's favorite saying was, thank you, Jesus. She and Papa worked very hard, too, and she never wanted us to forget to show the Lord gratitude by thanking him regularly. And I have many times and do many times pray, thank you, Jesus, for all that he gives me each and every day. They taught me that the Lord provides. My parents and my granny and Papa regularly showed trust in the Lord. Many days of hardship and wondering about money. Many times being told no to things that I wanted, and yet many times I saw the Lord provide extra as he lavished gifts upon us. Whatever it was, he provided, and my family made it clear that he did so. Children, listen and obey mom and dad and learn from them 
You should grow up in Jesus and make mom and dad proud because you walk justly. Adults, remember those truths spoken to you for your good and to honor your parents in in your walk today. Care for them and pass on the good legacy of those things that they did right. For those of you who are leaving or have left wicked homes, find spiritual parents to follow and break the cycle of evil. It can be done. That's what God does, actually. He's in the business of restoration and redemption. Be like Moses and leave the wickedness and lead God's people to a better place. We are all children and have much to learn with parents, no matter the circumstance of our our homes. And we also have the opportunity to learn with children as we are in our homes as well. Learning with children, first is as an instructor. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your son while there is hope. Don't set your heart on being the cause of his death. Proverbs 6, 23 says, for a command is a lamp, teaching is a light, and corrective discipline is the way to life. Another story I read about a family. To keep their active two-year-old from roaming onto the busy street in front of their home, my sister and brother-in-law decided to put a gate across the driveway. After working over two weekends on the project, Robert was ready to attach the lock to complete the job. He was working on the yard side of the gate with his daughter nearby when he dropped the screwdriver he was using and it rolled under the gate out of his reach. I'll get it, Daddy, Lauren called, nimbly crawling underneath the newly erected barrier. See, too often it seems helicopter parents who are hovering trying to keep their little ones safe and lawnmower parents who try to take out every obstacle for their kids, they are instead spinning their wheels going nowhere and preparing their kids for life and for godliness. Perhaps it is wise to build a fence around your house to keep your kid from the street. That may depend on where you live. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you that whether there is a fence or not, it is wise, it is wise to teach your child to not run into the busy street without paying attention and knowing what's coming. What if they're at a friend's house and there is no gate? What if they decide to climb the gate or go under the gate? It seems safer and more beneficial for the long term to teach them to stay out of the busy street. Jenny and I worked very hard with our little ones to teach first-time obedience to discipline them. If mom or dad said stop, you stop. No questions, no discussion, just stop. Why? Because they don't always see what you see. A two-year-old cannot see the car rushing down the street, which leads to death. Yes, there were times of weeping and gnashing of teeth and but why exclamations, especially when spankings were involved. But we were determined that they need to be disciplined and shown the way to life. We love them dearly, and loving parents discipline their children. Not disciplining children leads to death. It leads to adults who are without the ability to cope with things they don't like. It leads to rioting and looting and and calling on the government to save them from themselves. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, we must work to follow the Lord and learn what it means to live as loving instructors to our children. And for those that may not have children of their own or they're all grown up, it may also include us within the home of the church to take opportunities with others. Years ago, I taught a middle school. 
The class that I was in charge of was classified as emotionally disturbed. We had a group of kids who were in and out of juvenile detention, couldn't sit still to do classwork, and were regularly causing problems in their classrooms. They got moved to our class because they were disruptive in their mainstream rooms. One of my students one day decided he was going to make a bomb threat. Simply, he stated to me that he was going to blow up the school. Now, I suspected that he actually wasn't serious. But instead, he was frustrated with some life circumstance, and he was partly joking to get a rise out of me and his unstable classmates. But he needed to understand to be shown the way to life, and he got to visit the principal and the police officer. Later that year, that young man made a profession of faith in Jesus. We need to learn to take on the roles as instructors in our homes, in our churches, and in our communities to raise up the next generation to follow the Lord. In that endeavor, we should also remember this. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they, become, they won't become discouraged. Now, this is specifically for us fathers, not to exasperate our children. Be careful how we speak. But the principle can be applied to any instructor. Discipline in truth and love. Don't chastise for annoying things. And a way to live this out in learning with children is to give with no strings attached. To give with no strings attached. First, 2 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 14. Look, I am ready to come to you this third time. I will not burden you, since I am not seeking what is yours but you. For children ought not to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to his spiritual children here. He's saying that he, he desires for their growth. It's for them what you sacrifice for your kids is not to get anything in return. You are going after their good, not manipulating the situation, not controlling their lives, but helping them grow up to be adults the Lord has called them to be. Well, confession, I have spent some time in my home trying to get one of my kids, I have four children, I want to get one of them to be an auto mechanic, one to be an HVAC repair tech, one to be a plumber, and one to be a lawyer slash doctor. Those are all great jobs and, and worthy of a pursuit. But I kind of said that more for my benefit than for theirs, because I kind of wanted those services later at a discounted rate. That's not necessarily looking out for them, though, is it? Now, that was mostly joking in my house, but I have had to make sure that they know my true desire is like that of Paul. I want their good. I want them to follow the Lord with wherever he takes them so that they will serve him faithfully in whatever he has. And as we do that as parents, one of the great blessings of parenting is becoming peers with your children and learning with them in a new way. Learning with them as peers. We're on the very beginning stage of that in my house as our son leaves for college next week. Proverbs 17:6, grandchildren are a crown of the elderly. And the pride of children is their father's. Pastor Wayne's thoughts on this verse, he says, this, the beauty of this verse almost moves me to tears. Grandchildren are under another's authority, but they are the crown to the grandparent. Each generation looks to the one before with pride. Parents and children grow up and honor each other as they become peers, proud of each other and crowned with shared glory. Isn't that beautiful? 
And for those of us who are married, we help accomplish this stage of seeing generations honoring the Lord by learning with our spouses. Learning with our spouses. Matthew 19, 3 through 6 says, some Pharisees approached him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Haven't you read, this is Jesus replying, haven't you read that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. One of the clearest examples of beginning to understand a bit more about two people becoming one flesh was during the year after my granny passed away. My papa was absolutely lost without her. And honestly, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me as a young college student. I mean, he wasn't a stupid guy. Stubborn? Yes. That runs in the family. But he knew a great deal. He had built roads and worked on HVAC systems for his careers. He was a ham radio operator and served faithfully and well in city government. But when Granny passed away, he lost, he just lost it and had a hard time working through the grief. He had become one flesh with his bride. And without her, it took some time to learn to navigate the daily routines. It's a sweet bond that the Lord gives to us with our spouses. It's not completely understood, but it is definitely real. In our sinful flesh, though, we, we often attempt to rip this bond apart in divorce, shouting, it's our desire to be happy. Oh, we should be careful to avoid not being the ones breaking what God has joined together. Author Gary Thomas wrote a book entitled Sacred Marriage. Highly recommend the book. The tagline states this, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? I mean, what if, that's, what if God designed marriage to smooth you out and to make you more like him? But, 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 but is the typical fleshly answer. You don't know. You don't know. I know this. The part of the Lord's plan for marriage is to reflect his glory. To be a picture of Christ's sacrifice for his bride. And the church's adoration of him because he loved first. And like Father, Son, and Spirit, my wife and I, with God, can live out a triunity that brings God glory. We can learn to live as one in Christ. To do this, we know that marriage is not for the faint of heart, and trouble does arise. Our flesh does get in the way. So let's talk about real quickly two problem situations. There's many, but here's two serious ones that, that, are, that are common. Intimacy issues. What do you do in intimacy issues? 1 Corinthians 7, 4 through 5 says, A wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. Do not deprive one another. Except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer, then come again together. Otherwise, Satan may tempt you because you, of your lack of self-control. When there are intimacy issues, it is imperative that, that you remember that no matter how you feel, 
You are still defined by God as one in Christ. Your bodies belong to each other, and you are not to deprive one another. And when trust is lacking, the way through is prayer with and for one another. How often can we forget to pray to God for help in the bedroom? But the Lord cares for every detail of our lives, and the marriage bed is no exception. Know that you're one. Trust the Lord and go after him for help. There are also families where only one spouse is a Christian. How should that believer operate? 1 Peter 3 says, In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, that they may be won over without a word by the, without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you have become your ch her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Wayne told me a story of his friend Taskell. This young lady read this passage as a young Christian, and she decided to obey it. Months later, she saw her husband getting dressed on Sunday morning. She's like, where are you going, dear? I'm going to church with you. I need to find out what, why you have become so wonderful. And he trusted Jesus that morning. If you have an unbelieving spouse, May the Lord give you strength to live out who you are and show your beloved who Jesus is. Another way we learn with our spouse is as we age. It's a continual learning process. Song of Solomon 8, verse 5 says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on the one that she loves? Isn't that a great picture? You love the pictures of the old couple shuffling along, holding on to each other, Right? 70 years after marriage. J.S. Dears makes this statement in the Bible Knowledge Commentary. A final picture of the songs couple is presented here. The wilderness or desert has two symbolic associations in the Old Testament. First, the wilderness was associated with Israel's 40-year period of trial. In their love, the couple had overcome trials which threatened their relationship. Examples, the insecurity of the beloved, the foxes, the indifference. Second, the desert or wilderness was used as an image of God's curse, the couples coming out of the wilderness suggest that in a certain sense, they have overcome the curse of disharmony pronounced on Adam and Eve. Song of Solomon 710, I am my loves and his desire is for me. This statement is repeated several times in the so story of the song's couple. If you're going to learn to, as you age with your spouse, you should continue to repeat that phrase as well. I am my beloved's and she is mine. And the only way to live that out is in humility. In humility. In his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis spends time describing the depths of human wickedness, which is the source of much pain. Describing the fact that we in our flesh tend to think that we are good, Lewis notes that we still have to face the facts of how we actually live with other people. We can talk a good game, but those near us, especially those in our own houses, know us best. 
even if we try to hide our own faults. Lewis says this, we imply and often believe that habitual vices are exceptional single acts and make the opposite mistake about our virtues. Like a bad tennis player who calls his normal form his bad days and mistakes his rare successes for his normal. The need for humility is great in our homes if we are going to learn with our parents, our children, and our spouses. So I'd like you to take a look at the headlines in your notes. All those categories, all those areas of life, I want you to circle or make note of which of those areas you should spend time with the Lord wrestling with. None of us are done. No matter your situation, there is much to learn from our families. And if we're going to be smoothed out and be useful for the Lord, we must take note. So I exhort you, take a look at these areas and find out where you need to be smoothed out. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are great and greatly to be praised. And we are grateful that you, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of families that are wicked, in the midst of families who are serving well, who are, who are striving to please you in everything that they do, in the midst of all that, we have to battle our own flesh. God, many times the problem is us, not them. And God, I ask that you would help us to examine our hearts, that you would allow us to take a look at these areas. No matter what situation we are in life, we are related to somebody. And I ask that you would help us to listen, pay attention, and do your will. Father, we ask that you would allow um, the money that you uh, allow us to give today to be used to continue to help people grow up in you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.